few security experts offer timely recommendations for preventing Russian meddling in the upcoming U.S. midterm elections. And an Iowa health group's data breach involves a business email compromise attack. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Russian meddling in the 2016 US election, as well as other elections around the world, remains front and centre this week. I interviewed Ed Amoroso, CEO of TAG Cyber and former CISO of AT&T, about a recent blog post he wrote about what he believed President Trump should implement to maintain election integrity in the upcoming midterms. Ed is also going to be a keynote speaker at the upcoming ISMG Security Summit in New York on the 14th and 15th of August. Here's Ed's three-pronged approach to fixing election interference. Three points that I made were, number one, immediately there should be a commission with representatives full-time from each state who serve as the liaison for cybersecurity in that state, feeding back up into a DHS-led group. I, that just seems like the most obvious thing in the world. Any business on the planet would set that up. And it must be full-time. I mean, American democracy should deserve nothing less. So that, that was sort of the first thing that I thought was absolutely essential. The second was a fusion center. Immediately, there needs to be a, like a Y2K coordination center that was set up in 99. That was, that was put together in one month over on I Street in Washington. And we could do the same thing. Find a big room somewhere. Uh, bring back, I'd recommended you ask Rob Joyce to come back. You find someone to come back and coordinate a fusion center where all the states and election centers and political parties and so on can feed data and intelligence and telemetry, whatever else they want, into this fusion center that would be staffed 24-7 with some experts that could be borrowed from the NCIC and from other places. NCIC is a big center that the DHS runs. In fact, I'd recommended that it be essentially run under the umbrella of NKIC. So I thought that was the second. And then third, I recommended what I think any president would do and should do, and I believe Donald Trump should do, and that's get somebody with some chops and some knowledge of cybersecurity, put them on a plane, send them off to Russia, and deliver the message that if there's any more of this tampering, hacking, or whatever that goes on, um, that we're not going to we're not going to put up with it anymore. I haven't seen that. Maybe Secretary Pompeo has already done that, but I haven't seen it. And I recommend that send General Alexander, Keith Alexander. He's probably the top expert we have in our whole country. He's got great chops. The guy was the commander of U.S. Command. He was the head of NSA. Um, I would put him on a plane and send him with a message and say, "We're not going to uh, we're not going to accept this." Remaining on the topic of Russian meddling in elections, I also had the opportunity this week to speak with retired Brigadier General Greg Tuhill, the first Chief Information Security Officer of the US government and current president of the Six Terra Federal Group. I took the opportunity to ask him how he would address election tampering, both at the ballot box and via social and media channels. Here's Greg's response. Well, frankly, there's three prime areas that can be uh, tampered with. And the first is registration. You want to make sure that we have integrity in the process so that only those who are eligible to vote can. And that is all handled at the local level. Um, I, I think that we need to make sure that we have very strong authentication, not only of the folks that are registering to vote, 
but also that database that has the enrollment records. Uh, that is high value assets that need to be uh, rigorously protected. Second, the voting machines that do the uh, tabulation, uh, where you actually go in and you vote. That needs to be protected and physical security as well as the supply chain of the software for those machines needs to be jealously guarded. And then the third is actually the vote counting, the tabulation and the aggregation of all of the votes. That's critically important so that we make sure that we have an audit trail. And I'm a big fan of some of the paper ballots too. I know it sounds kind of like a Luddite in today's digital world, but I, I favor that. I'm not a big fan of electronic voting because frankly, I have not found a means of securing that vote that meets my satisfaction. But those three areas, those are three areas that warrant a great deal of attention at both the local level as well as the national level. So th those are direct threats, obviously, to, to voting. Those, those are very linear. This is somebody tampering with the election process. What about the more of a dotted line that we're seeing with things like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and, and so on and so forth? I mean, how, how do you prepare for that, really? Yeah, you know, and your Jedi skills are impressive because I was going to pivot to talk about that myself. You know, frankly, the, um, what we're seeing with what uh, doctrinally in the military is called influence operations. That's a traditional uh, concept that, frankly, humanity for thousands of years has been trying to make sure that you have a position where you can influence the thoughts and decisions of others. And, um, you know, frankly, as we take a look at the Russians who have been called out on this, this has been part of their doctrine for decades. And as a military officer, I was very familiar with their doctrine on influence operations. The way to combat that, uh, I think the best way is a free and open press. I think that uh, we need to encourage uh, our institutions that uh, folks like me raised our hands and pledged our lives in sacred honor to protect and to defend. And uh, I think a free and open press is one of the best defenses uh, against influence operations because the press is exceptionally good at ferreting out uh, falsehoods. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. An Iowa health network experienced a phishing attack this week, but what was actually going on was more complicated than that. Here's ISMG's Managing Editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, with more. A large Midwestern health network says a successful phishing campaign exposed a raft of personal and medical data stored in its email systems. Unity Point Health, which runs more than 50 clinics in Iowa, began notifying as many as 1.4 million people on Monday. The exposed data was contained in email accounts of Unity Point Health employees. On May 31st, Unity Point Health discovered that attackers had sent phishing emails to employees that purported to come from a trusted executive in the company. 
The email accounts contain attachments with protected health information and personal information for patients. The exposed data may have included addresses, birth date, medical record numbers, medical and treatment information, diagnoses, and insurance information, among other bits. Some of those affected may have also had their social security numbers, driver's license numbers, payment card, or bank account numbers exposed. However, Unity Point Health believes the attack wasn't aimed at extracting personal data. Rather, it says the perpetrators were trying to exploit the email system to divert payroll or vendor payments. That style of attack is often referred to as business email compromise. Once attackers compromise email accounts inside an organization, they study the authorizations and procedures that are used to complete payments. Once that structure is understood, the attackers intercede, changing invoices in order to direct funds to accounts they control. The FBI estimated last month that BEC attacks have cost victims at least $12.5 billion over the last five years. Unity Point Health's post-breach response gives some clues as to why the phishing attacks were successful. It also goes to the core of what administrators should be doing to secure their systems. The company says it's now implemented multi-factor authentication in order to access systems. Multi-factor authentication isn't perfect, and fishers can still attempt to collect one-time passcodes that are sent over SMS or entered into web-based forms. But experts say the defensive measure is highly effective at stopping account takeovers. But the effort to bolster security may have come too late for Unity Point, as it's the second phishing incident the company has disclosed this year. In April, the company notified 16,400 patients of a separate phishing attack. The lesson here is clear. It's difficult to stop people from being duped by phishing, but multi-factor authentication can reduce the chances an attack will be successful. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.